Welcome to a new episode of No Ride Around. Yes, yeah, so, so I love that I just threw something at you the moment before you hit record, <laughs> which could have been like the tilt of a pinball machine, and it didn't tilt. No. I think I might be too tired to have, like, to care, to fight, and just be like, no, this is my opinion. Like You were, you were, like, you were just like, this is it, and uh, you're not that way all the time. So a couple years ago... Um, a bike brand was flirting with us about a sponsorship where it would be no ride around presented by X. And uh, he's like, can I get you guys to stop cursing? And I said, no, like we're just, we are who we are. Yeah. I think if we start pulling that back, then the podcast loses something. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's everyone, no one is offended by lukewarm water, but nobody's going out to find it. Yeah. Nobody was like, I can't wait to get home for a lukewarm bath. Dude. I hope the hot tub's kind of hot. <laughs> Why is it that a kind of hot hot tub is the worst? Like, it's, it's, it's 98 degrees yeah. or 99 degrees. No, it's pretty warm. I need it to be 105. Yeah, 105. I mean, and you get it when it's 101, you're like, this is terrible. <laughs> How can three degrees swing? By the way, the house we got for the Dawn Dusk Race in Arizona, remember last year the no hot, hot tub, tub didn't work. Yeah. Um, this year I was like, if the hot tub are doesn't work. Are you assured work, that the hot yeah. tub works? And if it doesn't, I told him I'm bringing like curly straws and he has to sit on the side of the hot tub and blow, blow in bubble. hot air <laughs> to keep this thing going. <laughs> Which would be um, uncomfortable at first, yeah. but I get over it. Yeah. Um, well, with that in mind, uh, we have a lot to cover and it's rapidly approaching your bedtime. We're recording at night. We never record at night. We never record in the evening. The only time I can remember us recording anything was when we did a bike build, but that was video. Yeah, we didn't We didn't do uh, a podcast. So um, we have nationals to cover. Uh, we have uh, spur in the moment adventure to Mexico because <laughs> that's, that's what you do, apparently. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, I don't want to sell it, or short sell it, but you were super close to Mexico when the opportunity came up. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't. Like, I was able to drive. <laughs> um, and then we have Little Sugar. Which my drive to Mexico was half your drive to Little Sugar. You had a yeah. big investment of time. Yeah, I had a big investment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to – math does not come easy right now. No. We're going to talk just – we're just going to talk. <laughs> I think so. This is going to be an episode with no numbers. Zero numbers. <laughs> uh yeah, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah, uh, to throw in there, and then we're staring down. You know, we still have got two events left on we the still calendar. Still have Rattler, um, which is like, I mean, on the road next a week from today. Yeah, and then uh, and then we got the Dawn to Dusk race in Arizona. Yeah, and then I leave, and then you you just disappear to another, Cuba. Another thing. <laughs> another thing. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So lots of stuff, but all fun stuff. All all pretty. Big events um, that deserve a little bit of a little bit of bandwidth, so we'll give them to them. I was uh it's weird. My, I'm exhausted. I see that. Like from everything, not from training, not from racing, not from work, not from personal life. Just everything is weighing a little heavy. <clears throat> and um, I was talking to uh, Roger the other day, and. I had to reframe 
where I am in the year because I raced a good bit at the beginning of the year, twice in April, realistically twice in May. And it was just back to back days, um, at Matt gravel. And then my off season or base training or like I had to reframe it as June, July were not active racing months. So that August, October, November, December could be. So like my whole year is, is shifted like four months kind of. Um, and if I had had that thought in June, I would probably feel different than I do right now, but I didn't, it wasn't until little sugar, our coaching consultation and like talking about the rhythm of race, three weeks, race, three weeks, race. Um, I was like, man, I need to like reframe where I am in the year. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got to realize that this is supposed to be a peak for you. Right. When. And you feel tired. Yeah. It is dark outside. <laughs> it is dark outside. The days are short. Super short. And, uh, and this is most people surrounding us uh, have tailed off. Mm. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, and you see it on social, you know, it's hard to not watch um, all the Lifetime Grand Prix racers. And Big Sugar, which was this past Saturday, that's the end of the season for them. Yeah, you know that was they're all you know. So every racer that I follow, every American racer that I follow on Instagram, um, is what a great season, and you know, really looking forward to a couple of weeks rest and then get back into training. Like, you know, so the whole world around us is is downshifting. Yeah, I had you know. Um Similar to that, I had myself rocked a little bit the first time I spent time down south, like south of the U.S. border, at this time of year. You know, whether it was like La Ruta or going down to Guatemala or whatever it may be, those other events I've gone to, um, there's no Thanksgiving there, right? <laughs> That'd be weird. Be really weird. <laughs> I had somebody, I was telling this to somebody just recently, and they're like, why don't they have Thanksgiving? And I looked at them and I go, you're the most ignorant person that I know. <laughs> like, like, Same I'm reason pretty, they don't have 4th of July. I'm just, pretty sure we're like, a few years away from like there not being a Thanksgiving in the U.S. Right. Based on just the – Just the, yeah. How things are becoming. Right, right. Um, but uh, I was like, yeah, uh, dude, they don't, they don't celebrate it. So the upside is they get like two years of Christmas – or two months, rather, of Christmas, which right. is really cool. So as soon as Halloween's over, which is huge south of the border for mm-hmm. sure – Yeah. Um, once that's over, then boom, it's Christmas for like two months. It's really cool. But I was down there and I was like, wait, where's the, oh yeah, like life's a little different down here. And then the people that I follow on Strava, so many of them are people that live in Colombia and live in Mexico and Guatemala. And, they, and dude, they're logging miles. They're logging training because they don't have this Oh, it's cold. We don't ride. I guess it's just hot it's, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I look at Diego, who, I like, he doesn't know this. We raced uh, the Guerrero Guan together. Um, he won it, and I, and I he, he bested me. And dude is, like, a pilot and a mountain bike racer. And so his pictures are either him flying planes, do, like, doing cool shit in planes. And he's a commercial pilot, and he does, like, prop plane. It does all of them. Or ripping rides, and every ride has over 5,000 feet of climbing minimum, mm-hmm. just burly steep. Like, his mileage is insane. And I keep looking at him Strava, I'm like, how do I become Diego? Um, you moved to Columbia. Yeah. Get a pilot's license. So my apparently. point is, like, 
for a lot of the world, it doesn't stop. And, and I found it helpful to be following those people because then I go, oh, it doesn't stop for me either. You know, yeah. um, peaking right now seems weird. Uh, the confidence comes from how many miles you have on your legs. Like that's what's cool is that you could do nothing between now and the start line on November 4th, which is for us where we're at a week and a half away, and your legs can easily go and smash that 60K. Yeah. I, or is it, 100, 100, it's 100K. It's a 100K. 60 miles. 60 it's, miles. It's just shy of 100K. So you, you could go and smash it because of how much work. So your peak should be a better peak than any August peak you've ever had. Right, yeah. No, and like I said, I mean, honestly, just this is the first year that I've, I've ever – I guess last year was the first year we did this rhythm, but we didn't have Little Sugar, right? So I had right. Breck Epic, and then I had a big gap, and Rattler was kind of a last-minute decision anyway. Yeah. Um, it's like almost the more planned out it is, the more aware of it you become. Right. But we're fine. Yeah. We're going to get through it. There's plenty of caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> so the first on this hit list, uh, band Nationals. Uh, this is actually a nice segue. I, I've, I've been meaning to write the blog post about nationals, but I haven't wanted to. Right. I haven't wanted to write it because it's not a great story. Right? Yeah. And like, I mean, <laughs> I you called me after, I, I assume fairly shortly after the race was done. You know, I was still in a full body lockup. But and, I couldn't stand up right. And uh, I had no words for you. Yeah. And, and, and I probably didn't need to have words. Uh-uh. You just needed to talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I didn't win the national championship. Um, and there's a bunch of reasons why I didn't. There's a bunch of things I've identified that I could do better, which is really the point of the analysis after an event, whether you win or lose, should be to say, okay, I did this experience. Whatever the result was, there are opportunities there. I'm reading this killer book right now from a sports writer. Uh, she's been like a sports writer for four decades and seen all kinds of stuff and has all these great examples. And one of them that really has stuck with me is uh, Peyton Manning during his career. The first day after the season ended, whatever that was for him, whether it was playoffs or a Super Bowl or whatever, and whether it was victorious or being ousted, the first day after the season ended – he had the film guy for whatever team he was with, the Colts or the Broncos. The film guy put together a few different videos. The first video he put together was of all of the interceptions that Peyton threw, right? Pretty obvious, like, mistakes. Hey, these are the mistakes. And so he went back and analyzed every one of them. And then he had him put together a second video, which was all of the passes he missed but didn't result in an interception for whatever way, the ball bounced or whatever it was, but could have. And then the third tape was similarly, but about missed opportunities where a chance was there to make a play and he missed that chance. And then he'd go through and he would analyze every single one of those. And this is the day after the season. Now, analyzing your losses is not an exciting, (laughs) it's not a jubilant. It's it's an inward look that nobody wants. Nobody wants it. And, uh, because of that, I haven't wanted to write the blog post about nationals, even though I owe one to my website. Um, I haven't wanted to write it. I haven't wanted to really look at it. Um, the only thing that I haven't wavered on is very shortly after the race finished. I mean, by the time I was showered. So that meant I finished the race. 
Um, I had to break down my bike at, in the parking lot of the park there in Auburn, Alabama, pack it up, and then drive to a buddy's hotel room to take a shower. By the time I had finished that shower, I had resolved to coming back in 2024 and winning the damn thing. Um, I've never ridden a style course like that. I didn't take it seriously. I didn't take my bike prep ser- seriously. I didn't take my personal prep seriously. I took for granted all the success I've had. I took for granted the success I've had over the last four years. I didn't really train a lot on the single speed. I was doing so many geared races, riding the geared bike. Like There's a bunch of things I identified I could be better at. Um, but the one that really has kept me from doing the riding is that the biggest fail for me wasn't on the bike. I got fourth place. Um, I was in... I didn't get the whole shot uh, off the start. I let out the group on, on a road section that went into single track, and I didn't get the whole shot. I went into the single track fourth wheel, uh, past two dudes. They were just a problem, past a third. And so I was second wheel within the first three miles. But the guy in first, he's younger dude, he's like 20, had gotten such a gap at that point that you couldn't even see him. Like the gap was going to be pretty hard to bridge. And so I'm in second position. And this guy, uh, Travis, got right up behind me. He's from Knoxville, Tennessee, super strong rider. We rode together for pretty much the first lap. And then he goes, hey, do you want me to take a pole? And he did, but I knew when he took that pole, he was gone Like because I, I was at the limit. So I rode third place through the rest of that lap into the second lap, and I'm in the last, like, 10 miles of the lap, and I saw Travis again. And I'm like, holy crap, I can catch back to second. But also in my head, I'm thinking, second, third, fourth, fifth. It doesn't really matter. It's not first. And I came for first. I'm not going to get first. Uh, so I don't really care. Two, three, four, five. I don't, I don't really give a crap. So I'm riding along. I'm like, maybe I'll catch him. Maybe I won't. I'll just keep my rhythm. The course is terrible. It's not fun. It's not engaging. I didn't enjoy it. Not really having fun riding. Trying to try hard on a thing you don't really care too much about means eat a hundred milligram caffeine chew that I had. Kind of helped. Whatever. I'm in third. Fine. I don't really care. And then the dude in fourth caught me. And when he passed me, I tried to put an effort in, and it just wasn't there. Both legs were ready to cramp up and oh, lock no. up on me. So I watched then third go away. And in that moment, I realized, I mean, I said I didn't care about third or fourth. <laughs> but the second but- it moved, I was like, I guess I cared a lot more. And the loss of this whole thing was that I told myself I have had a very successful year and my identity was not attached to the outcome of the race. And then the race finished, and I realized that, in fact, my identity is 100% <laughs> tied to the outcome. I think that's why I race. I think it's the purest thing about racing is that it's, it is a, a very identifiable way to say, where are you? What better thing to latch your identity onto? And so I was disappointed because it wasn't the identity that I wanted. And... uh that's a between-the-ears loss. That's a fail that I've made and like a, a weakness that I have to address, and it's why I didn't want to write the blog, write the blog post because then right. I have to, you have to confront that, that and confront that and say, yeah. okay, well, then what do I need to do? And the answer is I got to do – I have to eliminate the excuses. And the only way to eliminate the excuses is to maximize your potential and operate that way, and I didn't do that. And so I let myself down and the result showed it and big fat L on my forehead. <laughs> uh, so that was nationals. Yeah. What, what was it about the course um, that 
because I've, I've struggled with courses where, you know, firecracker 50, I, I rolling through the start finish is bad for my brain. Cause I want to stop. Right. Like, so what made the course for you something that disengaged you arguably within the first lap? Yeah. So, uh, the park, uh, Chihuahua state park, and I think I'm pronouncing that the right way, but I'm just doing it phonetically. So if it's wrong, figure it out on your own, but <laughs> Chihuahua state park, uh, it's a 700 acre park. So that's not a huge amount not massive. of space. It sounds big, but it's not that big. It's not that big. There are 30 miles of trails inside of that 700 acre park. The bowl of spaghetti. And there's a giant lake in there. So <laughs> it's a huge bowl of spaghetti. Uh, they do their best to go up and down ravines. And so you do get like these kicks and all that. They've done a great job of building wood features and they got some berms. They got, they've done really cool downhill specific. They got a dual solemn track. Like they've built really cool stuff. But the second half of the course is in like a forested area. The whole course is forested. You're in trees the whole time. Uh, The second half of the course just doubles back on itself. I mean, a hundred times. I mean, you, there are very rare moments where you're going straight and have a sight of line at all whatsoever. Like you don't know where, because there's going to be a hard, 90 degree, 180 degree, 120 degree, like these massive turns just back and forth. Just because they have to spiral, just they have to squish them in because they they're in. fitting them in tiny, a tiny yeah. space. And it's all flat corners. Right. So flat. Flat corners, hard to carry momentum right. unless you really, really, really spend time on it. Unless you practice. It was, it was one of those where like um, my fitness and what I've been riding just doesn't translate exactly to that. Like, Carrying as much speed as you can into the corner and then accelerating out of the corner. After you do that like 56 times, you're just kind of done accelerating out yeah. of the corner. It's just hard to get yourself like motivated to go, okay, I got to punch yeah, do this again. these four pedal strokes and then go and then punch and then go. and then punch. You just get kind of worn out and you're just like, I mean, I could do it. I just don't want to anymore. I'm just yeah. like – and so it's also hard to know where you're at. Like your brain just gets so muddled because it's like turn and then turn and then turn and then turn and then turn. And so – Everything about it. And you probably have, if you can see a competitor, they look like they're 20 feet away from you, but they might be five turns ahead of you. Totally. Or, don't know. Yeah, you don't know. Couldn't tell. Um, really just, yeah, really windy, twisty type of trail disengages me because it's. I really like to know what I have. And in that situation, you don't know what you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it becomes becomes really tough. And so I, I knew it when I pre-wrote it that it was going to ha- have that. So that's why I packed caffeine because I was like, that's just going to help me mentally. Right. Um, but yeah, I just wasn't prepared. And I, I traveled out there and, and rode with another guy from Colorado, Cameron Brenneman, who's a super strong rider. He's Colorado state champion. Like he's won nationals before. Uh, actually he's won single speed national before he raced professionally for a ton of years, like super successful dude. And, and we got done. He goes, well, that course is not for guys like you and me. <laughs> There was a every region's unique, right? And you just get used to what you ride. Right. And I noticed from Little Sugar that there's only a couple of longish climbs there, but I did really well on them because that's a thing that we do. You do, yeah. Right? Like every climb here is pretty long, unless you're riding something like uh, the trails down here in Castle Rock or, you know, there, there's, but they're the minority, right? Right. And so when anybody who races in Colorado or even just trains in Colorado 
gets into Midwest or Southeast regions, they don't have anything to work with. So everything's just that bowl of spaghetti thing. Yeah, you're trying to rely on just um, the translation of good fitness. Um, but at this, especially when you're racing for like a national championship, you know, everyone's fast. Yeah. And so now all these, you know, specifics, you know, there's a reason that like I, I've been watching playoff baseball um, because the Diamondbacks, I'm a fan. And, you know, they bring in pitchers for specific batters. Right, like you can argue every major league pitcher can throw really good pitches. They're a major league pitcher, right? It's like super hard to get into that sport. Right. Um, how is it that well, we need this one guy in to throw these five pitches to this one batter because it's that specific? And that's what the degrees of separation are. And so, yeah, my skill set just wasn't totally attuned to that. Um, and it, again, not an excuse, but just wasn't totally attuned to it. My access dropper was saggy a few mil. Not a big deal. By the end of the race, it was saggy like 10 mil. Not a big deal. Not the reason I lost the race, but didn't help me. You know, a bunch of drag in my bottom bracket. Didn't help me. Wasn't the reason I lost the race. Like, I had all these things that were just like these little deals where I'm like, you know, I can't point to that, but I can't also, I also can't rule it out. Fortunately, most of those can be fixed, including my skill set. Mm-hmm. So when I got done and I'm on the flight back home and I'm thinking, well, what, what should I have been doing? And the answer is, Cyclocross. Yeah. Like it was a. That's all flat corners. It was a 40 mile cyclocross race, right? It was a three hour cyclocross race. Um, I haven't raced cyclocross since I started doing LaRuta because it's in the fall. And I didn't want one 45 minute weekend race to, you know, potential for injury is actually quite great on those. Yeah. To impact my ability to go do something that I have bought plane tickets for and a giant race entry fee. And it's like a whole trip, you know? Just wasn't, didn't seem worth it. But boy, I loved cyclocross when I did it. And so I knew I was committed to the lessons, even if I wasn't ready to write the blog post, because I flew back on Sunday. And that Wednesday, I went and did one of the midweek cyclocross races and had so much fun. Nice. Like, a stupid amount of fun. So much fun that it totally uprooted my very structured and uh, well-rehearsed programming and said, you know what? I have sacrificed since I started taking this to the level it's at. Let's call it 2019. I have sacrificed a lot of other things in pursuit of this thing. As of you, as of most people that listen to this podcast, like we sacrifice things. And I realized that Maybe the result probably did this to me. Maybe I was just taking it a little too seriously. And I'm like, you know what? I want a little fun. So I raced cyclocross. God, I had a blast. I actually did really well, (laughs) but I had so much fun. I went and played golf. Now, (laughs) not the same amount of fun, admittedly, but it did bring me joy, a lot of joy, a long time ago. So I called up one of my old-time buddies, and I'm like, man – we go to a country club and play golf. And he's like, I can't believe you like you just call of all people, you called me and asked that. I was like, Yeah, let's play, let's play golf. I played up pick up basketball. I, you know, I went and rode without any care for what I was riding. I just smiled. Like I did some things that have brought me a lot of joy in the past because after losing, it's kind of down in the dumps. Um, only have myself to blame. I didn't want any of the pick me up you can do it type of conversations from family or friends or the team. Yeah. Like I even wrote that in our Slack. Yeah. 
some people I think were like kind of put off by that. But I was like, I don't need to pick me up, guys. Um, I need to sit in this a little bit right. and learn from it. Um, and so that's what I did. And uh, I'm committed. I'm, I, I will go back and win next year. I didn't have that attitude this year. This year I was like, I'll go. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Because I thought I was past it. And then I realized. And I then when you don't get it, you're like, mm, yeah. apparently I'm not. Yeah. Like, you know. You may break up with her, but if somebody else starts dating her, that's a big problem. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those deals. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was definitely one of those deals. And and again, I also think that that's not a super proud thing to be admitting, but it just is what it is. I need to go do it. It's um, it's like why, you know, Colin and I have talked about this kind of a lot in almost every race that we've done together this year. He's like, ah, I don't know why I'm nervous. Like, it's, you know, like I've done this. I can do this. Like, if I, if I was just waking up tomorrow to just go for this length bike ride, I wouldn't be nervous. And I'm like, well, you're, you, you're nervous because you want to do well, right? Like, yeah, you, you care. You, care. Yeah. you know, you, you know, there's that investment, that sacrifice, there's all that stuff. So, like, yeah, it's a, like, it's okay. Like, you should be a little nervous. Like, if you, if you weren't, then you don't care. And then, like, Maybe you don't do what you can do. That is exactly what was smacking me in the face. Yeah. Flying back from Atlanta. Yeah. What in the hell? Um, but that was that. Was that and uh, you know, had a lot of success. Over the last four years, it's just been really just been like a ticker tape parade yeah. on like everything. Was it like three years of NUE champs? Yeah. Like, like I mean. It's just ticker tape. There's like, a lot. Just – and so, you know, I didn't like the pill, but <laughs> the bitter one went down, and yeah. now I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I took the medicine. Yeah, and so it gave me some. It gave me some focus. Gave me a little bit of drive. That not that I was lacking drive, but I mean, I went out there. I rode a wheel when they called me up. First call up, I rode a wheelie. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> right, like if I'm if I'm my coach on the sidelines and my athlete. Even if he has the stars and stripes and the number plate that says you're the national champ, you ride a wheelie to the start line. Like, really, clown? <laughs> I rode a fucking wheelie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By the way, it was a standing wheelie. I've gotten really good at them. It was pretty dope. <laughs> but maybe you're not in the right mindset. You know yeah. what I mean, buddy? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, that, that was that was nationals. Um, so, put a little bit of a, of a sourness at the end of the season here. Yeah. Uh, but fortunately, I still got a few things left. Yeah, I mean you've got you've got an opportunity at Rattler. Yeah. You won that one before. Yeah. You're hungry. Gonna uh, <laughs> gonna tear my legs off. I know the course. I know the course appeals to me. It's so uh, fast. But look at what we're doing. I, we're looking at my bikes in your shop right now. Yep. Uh, putting a new crank on. Putting new rubber on. Had you do the brakes differently. Uh, kind of giving it all the work that hub bearings, like the stuff that would normally get done on a pre race. That I didn't do for nationals. Hell, I went down there and pre-rode two weeks before the race, and then I just left my bike at a bike shop down there hanging in their deal. Which, on the face of it, is like, this is efficient. This is smart. Yeah, but now I'm going to go, whoop to do Did you want to save a bag fee, a $75 bag fee? Yeah. To, to what? To come down here and realize, like, oh, you kind of got all these issues with it. Right. So stupid. You know, it's just, I have, uh, there's a few races looking at for 24 um and they're they're big events like like big events 
And so when you buy the package to these events, there's always like just the race. And then there's a race with like everything, the yeah. massage and the this yeah. and the that. So you like buy the everything. The, you buy the everything. It's just like a Ruda. Yeah. You buy the everything. Um, care about what you're doing. Invest in it. Don't skimp on anything. And then you can have the truest representation of your best abilities. Mm-hmm. You skimp anywhere and you're going to be left in that doubt cloud. Yeah. Um, but you know where there's not doubt? On the results sheet. There ain't no doubt there. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, result sheets are pl- pretty black and white. Like they right. are what they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I had a little bit of like uh, a little bit of a, a, a race yearning left, and you know, since nationals, I got into the we had the Donna Dusk Sedona camp, and so that I was in Arizona riding, and uh, Brian's been hitting me up, and he's like, "What's your 2024 calendar?" And I still got this bitter pill. It's like halfway down my throat, and I haven't quite swallowed it. And there's still stuff left for 2023. And frankly, I don't really know what the trajectory of 24 looks like. And I'm like, I don't really know. But he started just asking me enough times. I go, well, let me start to put some stuff down. Right. Yeah, you showed me a calendar. And uh, that was the result of like, oh, let me put some stuff down. Yeah. And one of them was I knew there was a race in Mexico that we got to do. And, and that's not me saying it's Brad Keyes, the owner of Carver Rocket. He's like, dude, you got to do this one. And Brian and I couldn't remember for the life of us what the race was. And so I text him, and this is on, on Monday, uh, October, I guess it would have been like the 9th or something. Yeah, it was because it was I was, that was, that was, I couldn't go to the Sedona camp because I was in New Orleans for a wedding. Right. It was October 9th, yeah. Monday, October 9th. I'm at a bar in Phoenix with my dad. He's like, you hate going to these places. I go, I know, but I love you, man. So yeah. if I got to stand at a bar and we watch sports. Let's go. That's all good. Like, yeah. It's all good. Um, so we're at this bar. Brian's texting me. I don't know, man. Let me text Brad. I'll see. I'll see. I'll see what the race is. I don't know, dude. Jesus. So I text Brad, and Brad texts back. Oh, it's the Baja Ultra Endurance. It is this weekend down in Ensenada, Mexico, in Baja. He's like, it's this weekend. You should come. And it's it's Monday. I'm like, oh man, that'd be great. But you know, it's it's my uh, it's my wife's birthday. It's Abby's birthday, and it's our 12 year wedding anniversary. Like, I really can't sell a bike race. Big sell. It, it's kind of, t- you know, and she was just in Sedona. She literally had flown back. That She flew back uh, on Sunday night, so just the night before. She wasn't even in Denver for 24 hours, and I'm getting this message. He goes, you, sh- you should come down here. I don't know. My dad's sitting there. My dad's got a few Mickey Ultras in him now. Jesus. You know? Um, it's so funny watching him drink a Mickey Ultra. I'm like, dude, you're like, you're kind of like a big dude. The ship's already sailed, bro. Just, just get, drink the beer. Just drink the just drink the good beer. Like, <laughs> so he's drinking. He's got a few Michael Walters in him, and he's hearing me talk this out. And he goes, "Dude, don't worry about." It. He's like, "I can get Abby down there." I'm like, what do you mean you can get Abby down there? Like, what you you just became a pilot at the bottom of this bottle of beer? <laughs> and he goes, he goes, "No, uh, it's only six hours drive, man. I can drive Abby down there." I'm like, "Wait, Ensenada's only six hours from Phoenix?" He goes, "Yeah." He goes, hell, we'll just take my truck because I had the, the uh, shuttle van down there. Okay. One thing you don't take to Mexico is a 15-passenger van, right? Like <laughs> getting down there, not a big problem. But coming back, you're going to run into some pickles there with border. Like, right, I'm just right. telling you. Yeah. You know, uh, he's like, no, we just take my, you can take my pickup. I'm like, oh my God, wait a second. So all in the span of about 47 minutes. I have texted Abby two pictures of the beach at in Ensenada, just south of Ensenada, Mexico, uh, and a picture of this Airbnb that Brad had already rented, which is like this cool cottage like up in the hills 
by wine country in Ensenada. And I go, hey, you want to go here for the weekend? Sounds super fun. I'll fly you back to Phoenix Friday morning. We're going to drive down to Baja, Mexico. I can show you some of the stuff I did on the Baja Divide. We'll have a little Mexico trip out of it. And by the way, I'll probably do, I'm going to do a bike race on Saturday, but like Sunday's all us for sure. <laughs> you know, uh, true to your word, I called you after because your race is on Saturday, my race is on Sunday. I FaceTimed you from the finish line and you were, I, I assume you were just in Abby mode. Abby mode, man. I'll tell you what. She replied, hell yeah, I'm in. And I, 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 about, I was the only sober guy at the finish line bar in Phoenix, Arizona that fell off his stool. <laughs> I was like, oh, hell no. She is into this. It just so happened that she was coming up on fall break. She works with the schools now. Um, this company called Playtime. It's a super cool deal. And so she gets school schedule, and they're coming up on fall break. And she goes, I have the whole week off. It's totally fine. And then I'll drive back to Denver from Arizona with you, and we'll make a whole thing out of it. I'm like, oh, my God, coolest girl alive. So immediately, I text Elander, and I'm like, dude, we can do it. And he's like, no way. And I'm like, yeah. So and of we course, he can out. do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's like, I'll drive from Moab to Phoenix, and then just basically jump on your bandwagon. I go, yep, that's, that's, that sounds about right. That's how we do it, bro. Yeah. Let's yeah. go. So we make all the – this is in less than an hour. We've confirmed with Brad. Brad's upgraded his Airbnb. We've both got online and registered for the race. I've booked Abby's ticket to fly back down Friday morning. Like, everything is buttoned up. And my dad's like, yeah, you can take my truck. No big deal. Boom. Sub one hour on Monday, October 9th. The race is that we is that Saturday. But is it like the was it like the 14th or something? 14th, yeah. yeah. So it's that Saturday is the race. Um, then I'll let you know via text. Hey, man, definitely not going to be at Little Sugar with you guys, uh, but definitely going to be in Mexico. <laughs> Which is weird because I didn't even think you were coming to Little Sugar. Yeah, no, I never was. Yeah. <laughs> because it was my wedding weekend, my wedding yeah. anniversary, and yeah. her birthday. They're yeah. the same day, people, if you haven't caught that. That's yeah. the same day of the year. Um, I got lucky. and uh, Or you orchestrated it. <laughs> no, no, it was purely just fate, dude. Like, we got engaged, and she wanted to get married at this one place, and it was the only day of the year that year that they had available. Really? So she's like, okay, I'm in. And I'm like, It makes remembering just, easy. And she definitely gets undercut on gifts. For sure. Like <laughs> it's like birthday on Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Deal. Somebody who's got like a mid December birthday. You yeah, screwed. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna do this race. It was crazy how it came together. Now the one thing I didn't do, I didn't explicitly tell Abby that Elander was also coming to the race. So <laughs> <laughs> there's Elander just third wheeling his way along. So and he didn't know that I hadn't told her either. <laughs> <laughs> so I call Elander about Wednesday and I go, Hey man, um, just so that Abby doesn't feel like this is just a bros trip with, cause Brad's wife wasn't coming. So it's gonna be Brad, Brian, myself and Abby. And then Abby, and who like, you just sold this as like a beach. Vacation. I have like, I have a little four hour thing to do on Saturday, but apart from that, it's all us. It's all us. Yeah. With these other two dudes. Yeah. So, uh, I go, Hey Brian, you, you gotta buy Abby a birthday present. And I go, matter of fact, I'll just be real with you, dude. I'll give you the money to buy the present, whatever it costs, but you got to buy the present. It's going to help. Like this whole thing is going to roll smoothly. It's going to be nice. And so he's like, dude, you don't have to give me money. I would love to. He's just such a nice guy. And so he gets her birthday present. I don't know what it is. So it's now. uh, I'd love to see. I can't wait to see what a a Brian Elander birthday present for his buddy's wife is. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to see what, Uh, what he came up with. So. It's now Friday morning. 
Brian drove to my dad's house Thursday night from Moab. He slept in his van outside. I'm sleeping in the house. Wake up Friday morning. We load up the truck with the bikes. We leave our vans at my dad's house. We head to the airport to pick up Abby. Hey, dude, we need to stop at a coffee shop. Got to get her some coffee, breakfast, burrito. I want her to be, you know, have her stuff. Like, I'm, I'm doing, like, it is still her birthday and her anniversary weekend. And not for nothing, like, I, I talk some shit, but I'm a romantic. I respect those things. Right. It, I, I, I love her. I pick her over any of these other bitches again today if I had to. Uh, so I'm going to get her coffee and, and a burrito. And then that's when I say to Brian, I'm like, hey, uh, by the way, I don't really know if Abby knows you're here. So can you sit in the back seat? <laughs> And when she gets in, we're just going to go off like the momentum of this trip is exciting and we're hoping that that just rides us like, through. Hey, look, coffee burrito. Yeah. Never mind the 22-year-old in the back seat. Yeah. <laughs> so he looks at me kind of sideways and I was like, hey, man, this is just like this is just kind of what you got to do sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he plays along. Abby shows up. She's happy. She sees Brian, throws her arms around him, so excited. Doesn't she goes, miss a beat. She goes, I figured you were coming. I mean, how would you miss this? And gives him a big hug. And yeah. He gives her a birthday present. And then we all have coffee and they had burritos and everything was like great. And then we drove to Mexico. And uh, hell of a good time. Get into Mexico and uh, meet up with Brad, get to the venue, check in, and then the wheels come off a little bit. Yeah, when I get... FaceTime calls from Mexico. Yes, one thing. How about the FaceTime calls from Spain and the FaceTime calls from Chile? I mean, (laughs) they're never good. They're not good. Uh, It isn't like, I missed you, bro. I just wanted to see your face. (laughs) (laughs) You get those when I'm in Arizona. Uh, Bro, I've never been in a bike race before. By the way, Baja Ultra Endurance 100K, super pro organization. It's called Baja Adventures is who puts it on. They hired, uh, gosh, I just forgot his name. I think it's Tony. He was a professional downhill racer, but raced back with like, who are the, who, who are the old-time guys? You know all these guys. The Tomac. Oh. Like, like he raced back with like okay. Tomac and those yeah, guys. Yeah. Okay. Um, he's now like a super big heavyweight dude, uh, Mexican dude, super nice. But they've hired him on a three-year contract to build mountain bike trails at this place. Huh. So there's awesome in trail infrastructure and awesome riding. And like, they've done a really good job and they're building more. Um, but the event itself was put on super pro as well. Like everything was top notch. Um, including the bike inspection, including the bike inspection, bike and helmet inspection, which I guess is super common in probably in the road world. Like the more, like the higher levels of road, just because you have, uh, like weight restrictions. And if it's a, if it's a time trial, there's, um, there's a lot of parameters for time trial, like the arrow bars and seat relationships and that. So, so I would say probably not amateur, but like as you start ra- raising the ranks of of the road cycling, it, it's super common. Um, I've never heard of it at a mountain bike race. It threw me for, I was like, so, okay, so we had to do an inspection and everything's, you know, it's it, all the way Spanish down there. And so trying to like understand everything, I'm like, all right, cool. So we get in line, Brian goes through, no big deal. Brad didn't have his bike with him. He's like, can I do this in the morning? Like, no, you got to go get your bike and come and bring it back. So I get in line. And as I'm in line, they wheel off my bike and they take my helmet. And Brad, I I love you, dude. He goes, be sure to check his bottom bracket. And I looked at him. And And it was just a sideways joke, right? Yeah, he's just talking shit. Yeah. He's talking shit. Two and a half minutes later, the the head guy comes back over. He's like, hey, man, we got a problem. I go back over. Sure as shit, bottom bracket issue. Uh, they inspected everything about the bike, but they checked 
the cranks wiggled side to side. They're like wiggling. And instantly I knew exactly what the problem was because I had this problem before Mm -hmm. back in uh, April. So the bottom bracket sleeve disbonded from the bottom bracket shell. Like it just, you know, just an issue, you know, um, company stood by it. They've done the right thing. But in the moment I'm like, well, this sucks. And so I'm explaining to the race director in my terrible translation, I'm like, dude, the bike is fine. I've been riding the hell out of it. And they're like, no, my friend, like, we can't let you ride it. It didn't pass inspection. I'm like, dude, trust me. Like, I rode it on stuff. That's gnarly. And he's like, no, no, no. Our trails are super steep and super rocky, and they're very difficult, and you want a good working bicycle. And I'm like, bro, I was just in Moab and Sedona. All right. Your rocks are not that steep and technical. Right. Like, trust right. me. Yeah. Okay? He's like, no, my friend, there's no way, but, but we got a solution for you. So another – one of the bike shop owners, actually, who was doing the race himself in the e-bike category, was trying to sell a specialized Epic Evo. And so he had it at the bike race to sell it. And he goes, I mean, you can use it, but I'd like you to swap over all your components so that you're just using the frame. Which is, like, kind of a big deal. I'm like, dude, I can't swap over all the components today. Like, this is it's not like, like 6 p.m., right? Yeah. And I'm like, um, that that's good, dude. I'm good. I'll figure something else out because that just sounds like a lot of work. And then fortunately we looked and his bike SRAM, my bike Shimano, and we're like, well, that's not going to all translate anyway. Like we're running, we're going to run into some, some issues. Mm-hmm. So he's like, all right, you can use the whole bike. Just use your own wheels. All right. So it was like 8 PM racer meetings over. I'm, we're heading back to the Airbnb and I have to swap over wheels, try to make a bike one size too small fit for me with bike fit bottle cages, like everything, right? Pedal bottle yeah. cages, like all this, just getting ready. I'm going to talk 10 p.m. But this ready. isn't before you're like, do I just, like you're you're texting me and you're like, so do I just like sneak my bike in? Oh, yeah. So I used his bike to pass inspection. Right. They put a little band around your stem and I'm like, I mean, watch me cut this band off and just tape it around my stem. Yeah. And I was going to. Yeah. Uh, it actually, I didn't have a fear of the bike breaking. Because I understood what was going at play. Like, yeah, yes, the bottom bracket. It, it wasn't going to, you were. It, it might feel weird. It might make a ton, shit ton of racket. It, it wasn't, make, it was, you weren't going to get hurt. No. Um, and you're like, well, do I do this? And I was like, I don't know. It could kind of go either way. You're like, no, 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 no. I need you to tell me. Exactly what I said. What I do. Yes. That was it. <laughs> I needed to remove me from the yeah. decision making. Because <laughs> if you made the decision, you just snuck your bike in. I'm riding the Allied for sure. Yeah. Um, you said you said the epic, and so if you're gonna get if you're gonna put it up like that, man, I've been really hang, hung on this fate thing. If you're gonna put the things out like that, I love making decisions that way. If then, if yeah. then decisions, so yeah. much easier than like the, the just open ended stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna ride the epic, and so I'm riding it around, and it is just it's clanging like I'm pedaling this thing. It's like 10 p.m. and I'm like trying to do openers to see like how it's gonna handle my change the suspension, put more air in it, and it just keeps knocking. And I'm like, why am I bottoming out oh. this thing? And it has the brain. I didn't know what the brain did. Or I knew what it did, but I didn't know how it did it. So I'm trying to mitigate the knocking by putting more and more air in the rear shock. <laughs> and the knocking still, I'm like, it's, it's going to knock. Yeah. It's just going to knock. Um, really, I'm glad I didn't sneak the other bike in because they have rules for a reason. I run events. I set parameters and systems and rules, and I do it for the greater good of everyone, not for the one-off. And it really frustrates me when one-off people make an exception for themselves. Right. And you're like, dude, just respect why I put it together here. Yeah. And I'm glad I rode what they wanted me to ride because 
really is a respect for them and their event as well. Yeah. You know, because um, they were going to notice me. I mean, we're one of three Americans. <laughs> it's not okay? like, you're, like they're you're blending us. in. They interviewed us before the event yeah. and they interviewed us after at the finish line. Like, we're not blending in. Yeah. So, Race the Epic, a great thing happened. I was in Baja, Mexico, not too far from the divide when we rode that earlier this year. Yeah, not even 12 months ago. And now I'm back here and I'm racing. And I actually wasn't going to be able to race because I have this weekend with my wife, but I can. And then actually I'm not going to be able to race because, well, the bike didn't pass inspection, but actually I can. And so once the race started, I mean, I went out hot. Brian and I took a whole shot. We go crazy. And then I realized he's going to ride away from me. And that's fine. And I rode hard. I put it into it. Um, man, I was just so happy that I was just racing the bike, just racing a bike hard. After a lot of like potential not racing the bike, yeah, not even riding a bike. And and maybe <clears throat> maybe that maybe that feeling, and, and just like the feeling I had racing the cyclocross race, and maybe had the feeling I had playing golf with my buddy. Uh, it takes a long time to play golf, by the way, uh, and you still need to work out. But anyway. Maybe just maybe just doing the, this activity that I love and smiling while I'm doing it and just being grateful that I'm able to do it is exactly the feeling you need to have in October when your season did start in April. Or for me, my first race was in January or February, rather. Yeah. Like maybe remembering that you're just so damn lucky to be able to do this is what you need to feel in October yeah. to make sure you have a great event in November, in yeah. December. It's it's super easy to like drop nuggets of wisdom on people. It's super hard to live by the nuggets that you drop, and I'm the fucking king of that. <laughs> like, um, one of our teammates was here today. Uh, his bike is in pieces because of a, a a misbought part from another shop, um, and uh, he's like, "Well, I guess it's off, you know, to go home to ride Zwift." And I was like, "Hey, man, just be thankful that you're healthy enough to be riding anything." And then, <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, but yeah, you know, it, 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 it's definitely easier to like offer those things to people than it is to like step back and live them. Yeah. I, I had a coaching consult today, a potential new, new athlete to bring on to dawn to dusk. And, uh, I said, you know, it's really hard to be a coach and coach yourself because you have to be just like sociopathic enough that you can step outside. Like yourself. you can disassociate yeah, from like, and yourself. And if you can do that to coach like cycling, yeah. then you can do that to kill people. Like right, that's yeah. the problem <laughs> totally. is that like the more you condition that muscle, yeah. it's like, no, I didn't run through that whole group of children at the bus stop in my car. Like that was the other guy. Yeah. Uh, that was the, that was sir? the, that was the coach. You're like, no, yeah. that was you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did, I did reference Ed Norton's fight club. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, yeah. like, yeah, it is hard to take those. Um, but, you know, if there weren't hard parts about this, this journey that we're on as bike racers and as coaches and bike shop owners and people in this world, if there weren't the hard parts, there wouldn't be the up parts, right? Like, like the top of Wheeler is only cool because of how much it sucks to get to the yeah. top of Wheeler. Yeah. And then you're at the top and you get a dope downhill and you have more suck before you get the cool downhill. Yeah. And somehow with all of that, it makes an uphill version of Peaks Trail super fun, right? Mm, I don't know about that. It makes it super fun <laughs> by the end of it, right? And so uh, it, it's learning and, and understanding and growing in the, in the rough parts that are really what we're here for. Uh, the celebrations, what I've found is that they come and go pretty easily. 
It's like, woohoo, now what? Woohoo, now what? And then I have a failure, and I'm like, Ugh. yeah. And that gives me a lot more energy to move forward than than the wins. Yeah. Um, and and I don't know if that's good or bad or whatever. It just freaking is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I um, out of all the races, I had two results that I was super pleased about that we didn't even really like from when they happened to when we recorded our next episode was just enough time that we didn't even talk about them. What about the fact that you don't know how to do a podium? <laughs> Apparently it was our team rule that fucked me on that. <laughs> um, but you know, like, you know, hitting that mark at the bear and you know, it was probably three weeks before we recorded and like, I was super excited that day and less so the next day. And then by three, four days later, it might as well not even have happened. No, it's, it, that's, <laughs> it's, it's what's crazy. Like, you know, I don't know if it's the human condition or what, and, and, but I mean, think of like a hunter gatherer cave person. I always like to go there, right? Because it's like the rawest of raw I mean, humans. Also there's that, that's in our DNA still, right? For sure. Right. Like, but that's the rawest human experience. When they caught and got and ate food, cool. That's what I meant to do. Yeah. But when you didn't catch and eat the food, shit. You got to sit with that. This is the problem. <laughs> totally. So, of course, like in a feast or famine situation, you remember the famine. Yeah. Right? Um, it's about how you use that, though. I really think it's about how you use it. And uh, if it if it thumps you down and makes you, like, you know, Eeyore, then we're going to work on that. Because... You ain't gonna win everything, right? It's just not. It's just not the way it is. And so, using these down points, these famine points, this is where it's at. You know, yeah. it's what's like. You need a clean race next weekend more than anything else. And if you have a clean race, you'll be super fast because yeah. you got the fitness and you got the muscle, you got the power, you got the you got all the stuff. But coming off of like your last race, wasn't that clean? It was far from clean. Um, and I did, so little sugar, um, it was weird. So they kept talking about it. Like, yes, it was the first year that it was called little sugar, but that race has happened under the whiskey off-road, if I'm not mistaken. Well, things, kind got, of. things got real weird because Epic Rides was it, uh, yeah. canceled all non-Arizona events. Okay. Um, Look, I've done 24 hours at Old Pueblo. I'll be out there again this coming year, whether I'm competing or just supporting, but I'm going to be there no matter what. Um, I have this weird relationship with them because like that event is awesome and every event they've done is awesome, but they did everyone so dirty the COVID year. <laughs> oh, that's right. And yeah, they did yeah, so, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I was part of that because yeah. right? I registered for the whole series. They did everyone so dirty that I'm having a, I have a real hard time getting jacked up for like whiskey off road. They also yep. have tour of the White Mountains and then 24 hours Old Pueblo, all mm-hmm. Arizona races. But they canceled the Carson City race, the Bentonville race. Yeah. They canceled the um, Grand Junction race. Like they got rid of all of them that weren't in their yeah. state. I get it. They had to do what they had to do, but I had that bitter pill still in the throat somewhere. <laughs> right. I haven't swallowed that one yet. So it, it was a little weird just hearing everybody talk about, oh, it's the first year for this race, first year. And I guess it was different, you know. Um, I guess the uh, the Epic Rides version didn't go on Tunnel Vision um, or maybe did less of it or something. Or maybe it was a little bit shorter version of the race. But um, I guess it was the first year of Little Sugar. Um, 
Lifetime event. Lifetime event. Leadville qualifier. Leadville qualifier. Not part of Lifetime Grand Prix. Right. Because uh, of the big sugar next weekend. Yeah. The following weekend. Mm-hmm. Which is the season wrap up for that. Um, you know, last year was the first year I raced at lower altitude. Up to that point, I'd either raced at home altitude or much higher. Um, and last year doing Austin Rattler and Donna Dust was the first time I had an opportunity to ride at intensity at lower altitude. You rode at sea level in 22. It's just you had to go through a muddy jungle. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah. Uh, um, and, but even still on the second day, I mean, we still climbed up to over 9,000 feet. Yeah. You're on uh, 2,000 foot volcano. Yeah. Um, Twice. And, you know, with Colorado lungs and legs, you feel a, like a little at a, an advantage. And dude, the air there, I feel like I'm breathing like Kevin Costner in Waterworld. Yeah. Like the oxygen just coming in between, behind my ears. Um, and so, so it was me and Shane and Colin and then um, Molly came with um, and her parents came with. Um, so we had a crew. Um, but I think Shane and I both... Well, I don't think I know for a fact Shane and I both like he we thought we were going to do Austin Rattler times on a 60 mile course. We're like, oh, this is the same. It's 6,000 feet of climbing It's 60 miles. We thought, you know, he was thinking, you know, five to five and a half hours. I was thinking six to six and a half hours. And oh, my fucking God. (laughs) Was and you know I, I, my Instagram post uh, and I, I'm not big on the race recap thing on social medias, um, but I did just a short one and it was the summary was just underestimated. I just underestimated that event. Um, holy fuck, that was hard. I mean, <laughs> and and it was the general consensus. I mean, you know, Shane said that he had never felt more turned out at a finish line ever. Yeah, and I I I. I same. I mean, and I, I think another thing that I said in, in, in the post I made was, you know, the journey from participant to racer is, you know, it's victory in millimeters. Um, the, I had a couple of moments of victory on that one, but the biggest one was just knowing that I couldn't turn the pedals, another pedal stroke past the finish line. Um, which I don't, I don't know that I've truly had that feeling before. Um, you know, even that 13 hour day of LaRuda, like if they stretched the finish line, another five feet, Oh, you're not finished for another five feet. Like I probably could have limped it across, but like that day I, I, there's a picture of uh, me and Molly at the finish line and I'm like sheet white. Like I don't look good. (laughs) Like (laughs) I do not look good. Um, lifetime, for better or for worse, I think we're on an upward trajectory of the good that they're doing for the sport. I think it's going to turn soon. Um, I, th- I think the the peak is coming for for the perceived good that they're doing for the sport. But right now, the upward trajectory of of them being awesome for the sport of mountain biking and gravel racing is really cool. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Bentonville, and will continue to be a huge fan of Bentonville. Um, and in true lifetime fashion, they did a great job uh, of the event. Um, the shakeout ride on Saturday was super cool. Packet pickup was easy. It was all right down in downtown in Bentonville. Um, there was no parking, but they had in town, they had the course marked how to ride from downtown to the start line. 
they're like, hey, it's a little two-mile warm-up. There's no parking, so pedal your ass to the start line over at Kohler. Um, so total A-plus event. Um, could not have picked a better race to bring family to because the finish line was in downtown. And they just got to do the town thing. They just got to do the town it's thing. It's a cool town. Yeah. Uh, I mean, total home run in that regard. And then also Race HQ is the ledger, um, which is this giant building that has um, like seven switchbacks up the front yeah, the of it. bike ramp up the side. But yeah, sweet. you can ride up to the top. Um, I never figured out why the big giant bugs are inlaid in the in the with jewels on them. Yeah, bugs with jewels, like uh, artistic bugs. I guess there's a the story thing. somewhere. But uh, cool. Um, you know, there's a coffee shop in there. I mean, if you're gonna do a race and like sell it to your family, <laughs> like like you did with Abby, like that's a good one to do because not only you know there's the full distance, there's the the hundred k, um, there's a there's a a fifty and then a twenty, um. So a little something for everybody. Um, but man, the course, so you, they dangled a neutral start out of Kohler. Um, and the guy who led the shakeout, so the pros rolled out, um, men elite first, women elite after that. And they had motos, um, age group started together and the guy who led the shakeout ride the day before, He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to be the one leading the neutral rollout. Don't pass me. Um, neutral rollout was at 22 miles an hour. I love the neutral. Rollout. It was not fucking neutral. I love the <laughs> neutral. Like rollout. it got strung out so fast. Oh yeah. You, you know, people <laughs> oftentimes, especially with single speed, the, the key to winning a single speed race is to win the neutral rollout. Yeah. Because that is where, like, it, you get onto the fast wheels and you can put minutes gap on yeah. to some poor sap who's pedaling in the back. Who's like, I'm going to observe the neutral rollout. Yeah. No. No. It, I mean, it was, my my max speed was on a downhill, but, like, that section out of Kohler and then over, you see, so you did some, like, road stuff, and then there's this grass hill that blew the race apart. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a comfortable 19, 20 miles an hour with spikes up to 22, 24 miles an hour. It was fucking spicy. And you stayed in it. Yeah. Like the, yeah. Yeah. We, Shane and I lane, lined up in, in the top third of the race. Yeah. Um, and it's so funny. I love racing with Shane cause he's such a savage that, but he undersells it. Like, he's like, I have really no expectation. As soon as it's go time, like, he doesn't hold back. No, yeah, he explodes. He explodes. And that was his race plan, too, and, was to explode. And he spends, but he spent, you know, the day before and the day before that. Like, we got in on Thursday, and, you know, it was kind of late, but it was early enough that we were chit-chatting a little bit. And we pre-rode on Friday and did the shakeout ride on Saturday. And, uh you know, the whole time he's like, ah, you know, it, you, you know how it is. Everybody's just talking about what am I going to do? And it's like, ah, just shut up. You're just going to, when the race starts, you're going to do what you do. Yeah. So why talk about it? Um, but yeah, just, it was hilarious that he just had no, exp- he, he was saying that he had no ambitions or expectations, but as soon as it was time to go, like he was just gone. Like he lined up. I mean, he was one row ahead of me and five people to my left and he was just gone. That's awesome. Um, and uh, I thought traffic was going to be worse 
just because it knocks you down onto a single track over at Tunnel Vision pretty fast. And it's a lot of single track, and it's single track in the woods. Yeah, which means not a lot of passing. Tunnel Vision opens up in some spots, but for the most no. part, you're racing in the woods. Yeah. So, um, one thing I will say, and it's it's something that we've commended Breck Epic for in the past, which is just being like a true mountain bike race. This is that. I mean, um, I think a lot of people get into their head that lifetime mountain bike races are all like Leadville 100, um, which the terrain isn't really the challenge. It's the distance, the altitude. Um, overall, the the terrain of Leadville 100 is more fitness-based than skill-based. And I think people get that in their heads, and there's a lot of those people at this race, as evidenced by the number of people who couldn't clear simple features. Um, this race was, I mean, it had to be a solid 95% single track. Well, I mean, that's, that's what Benville does have a lot of gravel, but yeah. not the areas you were. No. And they have a lot of great single track. They do. Um, to your point, you know, to kind of revisit something you said about nationals, it is super hard to stay locked in when it's a pattern, right? Yeah. It's switchbacks up a climb, cross a road, switchbacks down. Uh, either sometimes you have a ridge traverse, sometimes you have like a little valley floor traverse, only to end back up at a switchback descent or a switchback climb. And like, it all kind of looks the same. Like you don't know look, what neighborhood you just went through. You don't know where you through. are. That was a big thing. I just yeah. didn't know where I was. And that got amplified. So there's only two, there was two spots that they called out on the uh the athlete guide as as technical spots that were of note um there was a spot on tunnel vision called uh technical difficulties um and there was a spot over on back 40 called ledges incidentally i had problems at both of them um one was my own doing one was not my own doing (laughs) uh at about mile 20, we hit technical difficulties. A rider stalled out in front of me. Another rider wadded up into the back of me. And out of all that chaos, I was the only one that ended up off my bike, down the side of a hill, both of my bottles ejected, and my computer gone. Um, it took me about 10 minutes to find everything. Because I, I couldn't not, like, the computer, I was kind of like, whatever, I don't want to leave 400 bucks. But, like, the bottles were kind of a non-negotiable thing because I was another 20 miles from aid. Yeah. And for us, our bottles are water and food. Yeah. So, so it was kind of non-negotiable. Um, and then 10 minutes to find the bottles. Jesus. So it was was, an Easter egg hunt. So this hill, it was like, it looked firm, but it was like deep leaves and degraded logs. And that was that. Isn't it funny how you can crash into what should be like the elephant graveyard from the lion king like dangerous terrain (laughs) and you don't get hurt yeah how do we not get hurt i don't know um and then you know so overall the race was uneventful i i feel like i rode exceptionally well um i pretty quickly realized that my estimation of about a six and a half six to six and a half hours was like not realistic like it the terrain just isn't moving fast enough and it's okay uh, and once I readjusted that perception, which was like a hard mental shift to make, cause like, like, no, I want to do six hours. And you're like, eh, it's probably going to be seven. Um, really the, it was just those two spots that ultimately kind of led me to have an, an undesirable day. Um, after the, after the little wad up, I don't know if you ever had this. I'm sure you have where you just like 
for 20 minutes after it, you just feel clumsy. Oh yeah, dude. I mean, that's, that's kind of with any crash, right? Yeah. You just start to feel all thumbs. Yeah. And that, that's exactly what I was about to say. I just didn't feel like even remounting my bike after like all the people that were, you know, not for nothing, the people who caused the crash didn't even turn around to ask if I was cool. Um, but, uh, and then over on ledges. So I was running tires that I knew were a gamble. Um, they had super light sidewalls and the rocks in Bentonville are sharp. Oh yeah. I think within days of each other, you and I both had the same hard lesson, which is same tire on the same tire. Um, so I got a huge slice, like not even, uh, I pulled the plug kit out and I was like, there's no way I can plug this. So, uh, two are bullshit. (laughs) Um, they're light and they're great and no, they're not great. They're light. Well, they're great because they're like there's a perception that they're great because they're light and you don't have to carry around. But we've said it to uh, our pseudo teammate Amir, like, dude, the lightest shit in the world isn't good if it doesn't work right. And two two bolitos that they don't work. And so, um, admittedly, they work. They don't work in a race scenario where you're doing everything fast. Yeah. Because you can get them to work. Yeah. But that's not what you're trying to do in a race. No, you're just trying to get things fixed as fast as you can. Um, So huge slice. And between the Tubalito failing and then begging two different riders, um, one for a tube, one for a CO2, uh, I got to give the shout out to our buddy Mike McGill from the Texas Irish uh, because he was the one that, that gave me his CO2. And realistically saved my day. If I didn't get another CO2, I I was just stuck. Um, Somebody may have, but he was the one, so he gets the shout out. Um, And I guarantee he had a smile, Texas big on him. For sure. Um, Unfortunately, (laughs) unfortunately he got a flat after that and then had to borrow a CO2 from somebody else. Oh, did you pass him when he was dealing with it? No, he, he got far enough ahead of me um, that like his finish time wasn't vastly different than mine. And I think his flat change went a bit better. I think he was able to plug and then move as opposed to have to like take his whole fucking wheel off, take his tire off, take his tire and so what do you, let's, let's, let's say you come up on him seven miles left in the race. And now he has a flat. What do you do? Like, do you just give him uh, your bike? I don't know what you can't. No, he rides an extra large. What's it going to do for him? I mean, for seven miles, he figure <laughs> like, I'm just trying to think, like, what is, because I've given my entire repair kit to someone before. Right. Who's down, and I'm not going to stop. Like, I don't stop, but I'm, mm-hmm. like, what do you, you I just toss the whole kit. Yeah, find me later. And then I know, like, if something happens to me, now I don't have a kit. So right. if something happens to me, well, once this dude passed me, I'll get my kit back. Yeah. Right? But if you needed, and he only had the one, obviously, or the two or whatever it was. Yeah. What's What do you do? Like, what's the what's the acceptable thing to do? Do you give the person who bailed you out, like, your equipment so that they can finish? Yeah. Or do you just pass and be like, sorry, dude? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, a whole bunch of people passed me. Um or do you stop and wait with him until you get what he needs from somebody else? I mean, that's probably the right thing to do. It is, but ultimately it doesn't change the outcome. He could do that without you. Yeah. But, uh, but I think it's like like I think it's a gesture like not attacking during bathroom breaks at the tour. So hopefully you stop and you say, dude, I'll wait with you because you gave me your CO2. Yeah. And then hopefully that person says, the, no, just, dude, that's just silly. Go. Just go. And yeah. you're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, thank God. Okay, so uh, I just need to know because like yeah. if you know. Yeah. 
Uh, honestly, never even thought about it because I did ride. So a bunch of people passed me. I think probably 30 or 40 people passed me. Um, and then I saw about 10 of them on the side of the trail with flats on the rest of ledges. Um, yeah, that place eats. So we got, you know, when we did the camp there this year. I think everyone got flats. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know everyone got flats. Um, and so we, we all moved to using like recons and I think recon, recon. Yeah. To, like pretty like robust, robust tires. tires. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I knew better, but it's, it, it would be light and fast. It wasn't even that it was, it, it was almost like the, ah, it'll be all right. Like yeah. it was a bad attitude about it. Cause so my tires after break Epic were, were roached the Bryden V uh, Vittoria right now. Um, they do a, a, a graphene, like a gray sidewalls. That's like the thicker one. Those were out of stock, but the skin wall ones were in stock. And so I got those cause I needed tires and I was like, I'll just leave them. It'll be fine. Even though the sturdier tires came in well before little sugar. So hard. Even though you get the bike shop dude deals, you still like f- taking fresh rubber off. Like we're about to do it tonight. The super cow taking yeah. fresh rubber off. That is totally fine. It's just hard. Yeah. Cause once it's off, I'm never going to use it again. Other people will, but I, you don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna like there's, and even still, I've got two brand new skin wall because I ordered four because it looked like nothing was coming in for a while. So I ordered two Barzos and two Mescals. And now I have two brand new tires that I'm just never going to use. So they're going to go on the wall for somebody who rides less challenging terrain. Um, so, uh, again, the, the rest, it was a great race and the terrain is awesome. Um, ultimately, it's... I have wrestled and still am wrestling to decouple my physical performance from my overall race performance. You know, it's just motivation for Rattler. Yeah. Also a Leadville series race. Also the same distance. Also, I mean, and to this point, of course, you know, like it just, it's the fuel. Mm-hmm. Run a clean race. Yeah. I'm looking at your bike right now, hanging on a rack. You know what it has? The graphene sidewalls. <laughs> the right, t- right tires on it. It has the tires on it. You know you're confident. Because Austin Rattler also claims tires. It does. It's rocky. It is, there's rock out there. Yeah. Um, and desert. Like, it's high. It's desert. And, um, yeah, you have you have the right tires on there now. And so, you did it, right? I guarantee you, you're never going to go like, man, it'll be okay. Attitude. No. I mean, some lessons you only learn once. Yeah. Um, so, I'll be back at, Austin, or at uh, Little Sugar next year. <laughs> because I... It sucks to know. So I, again, this this journey, this slow progression of, of of being in the racer mindset. You know, I finished dead nuts in the middle of my age group, literally when, to the number, to the number fifty four out of one hundred eight, yeah. and that was similar to my. I mean, I finished dead nuts in the middle of my age group at Austin Rattler last year, thirty three out of sixty six. It's it's a hard pill to swallow to go to go and look at the results and look at knowing cuz it's quantifiable right i can look at my stopped time on strava i can look at my heart rate and i can zoom in on that and be like there was 10 minutes there was 20 minutes and to know that 30 minutes was out, was just sitting on that course um that would have got me 10 spots better so now i i truly am progressing right i'm no yeah. longer dead nuts mid pack which is cool 
I'm not mad at it. Um, but to, okay, now I've moved out of the middle and into the top half. Right. And so, um, I got a year to, to get that square <laughs> and not under, you know, and again, you know, I think having a, a little, having my head wrapped around the course a little bit better, like it, it was, I really did think I was just going to go out there and just be like, Oh, this is not easy, but like, this is very doable. As a person who's raced a ton of blind racing and a ton of repeat racing all over the country, mm-hmm. I want it one of two ways. I either want to know everything about the course or, or be completely blind. Yeah. That is the best way to be. The kind of have an idea, that really that really plays with me. Yeah. You know? And that was hard too. I mean, because I had ridden both Tunnel Vision and uh, Back 40 on two separate trips. Yeah. Um. And so I'm like, yeah, I know them. And as we're riding, I was like, I remember this part. I remember this part. I remember this part. But, you know, I hadn't ridden back 40 since 2019 when we went. In and, the rain. Huh? In the rain. Twice. Well, no, it was rain one day and then. Yeah, the second yeah, day wasn't. The last it was just day cold was as shit. But I remember the rain day. We're sitting in that parking lot and like, we knew we were going to ride. Yeah. But boy, getting out in the it rain was, was hard. real hard. Let's go get a coffee yeah. and we'll come back. Yeah. Uh-huh. I guess we're just in the rain. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like there were sections on on back four, and also, um, just the uh, what different perspective better fitness brings. Like back forty, in my mind, was almost identical to tunnel vision in terms of elevation and how it rode. Back forty rides substantially faster. It does not have the steep punches and pitches that that tunnel vision has. Yeah, Tunnel Vision has some. It has a couple little drawn out kind of exposed too. <laughs> yeah, those little power line sections. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you got well. We know one thing on your calendar for twenty twenty four. Right, we know we know that's happening. Mm. Uh, luckily, Molly enjoyed it. Like I, th- I you know, um, I I think her and her folks they had a good time in Bentonville. So I think if I were to say to Molly next year, like, Hey, let's, let's go back again. And you know, I think, I think she'd be open to it. Well, I'll tell you what, I think Abby wants to go back to Ensenada because I did hold true to our anniversary and her birthday. Yeah. We woke up Sunday morning, had a little coffee for us. Um, don't get it twisted. It was definitely Nescafe instant, but two ladies showed up with massage tables and we got in room massages to start off our day. Nice. Which then led to tchotchke shopping, uh, in downtown Ensenada whereby she got a sombrero and I got a uh, Mexican blanket poncho. I saw, saw, saw the Instagram stories. Ended up at food truck or, uh, you know, street carts eating ceviche. Ended up on the beach. She got more food truck fish tacos. Like, it all worked out real well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a little rinse and repeat. I'm going to go back down there. Yeah. Next year, it's a three-day stage race. Mm. Yeah. And I'm going to make sure my bike works. Yes. There is something about wanting to race, like, your own bike that you bring to a race. Yeah kind of critical yeah (laughs) you know definitely is (laughs) uh got a couple things left we got uh this rattler which can be real good no ride around event and then we got the dawn to dusk yeah season that was gonna fucking hurt it's gonna hurt i mean one hour lapse of just 100 percent turned out just red line no makeup for it on the downhill because it's just pedal every inch of Because the downhill you pedal on anyway. You're pedaling. 16.2 miles of pedaling. Where you need to average 16.2 miles. 
it's, it's reachable. Last year I was I like I think my fast lap I I was like at fifteen. Yeah, but no, I mean a mile an hour is a lot to make up. But but a it, year it's is a there. lot of time, and yep. you're there. So well we'll. Be sure to fill you guys in on that those two after they happen. Yeah, so uh, thanks for listening to the emotional uh, <laughs> merry-go-round. I want dinner. Do you want dinner? You probably you had dinner. You want bed. I I'm I'm wanting something. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but now I have to sell you on eighteen minutes of getting this bike functional. I don't know if it's eighteen minutes. <laughs> I don't thanks. think it's eighteen minutes. <laughs> uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Go, you're not done! So get the fuck out! You're weak! You're done! So get the fuck out! You're weak! You're done! So get the fuck out!